Welcome to the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. I'm TJ Capaldi, pastoral lackey at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. I'm Elizabeth Bergler. And I'm Father Josh Allen, the chaplain at Georgia Tech. We have with us today Elizabeth Bergler, who is a friend of uh, Georgia Tech and also a friend of a number of people here. Uh, Not a student, but um, has been a youth minister in the Archdiocese of Atlanta for many years. Uh, Has a a few kids at home now, and we're happy to have her here uh, speaking with us. Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about yourself, other than what I already said. (laughs) Are you married, for instance? Yes, I'm married. (laughs) In fact, I met my husband here at Georgia Tech, though neither of us ever went to school here. So Georgia Tech's got a special place in my heart. Awesome. Well, we're very happy to have you. So today's topic uh, is building on last week. Last week we talked about Holy Thursday, and today we're going to talk about Good Friday. So just like last week, let's start off by just identifying what is Good Friday. Hmm. Um, That's a good question. It's the... Okay, this is not that hard a question. <laughs> the What's Good Friday? The death of Jesus, right? The yes. Passion. The passion. It's the Friday during the Triduum. Yes. Right? In which we commemorate the passion of our Lord. I caught some flack last week for using the word Triduum, so I was just cautious there. Yeah, I know, but now that you've already introduced it. Okay, that's fair. And everybody's mastered the term. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it's the commemoration of the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Excellent. So <clears throat> let's just kind of recap in terms of how the church celebrates the Triduum, like the different things that are happening. We talked last week about Holy Thursday. We celebrate the Last Supper. And then all of us kind of process out of the church with our Lord to the altar of repose, which is a different altar set up somewhere, either in the church or in another building or something like that where adoration takes place until midnight and then we come in close the door of the tabernacle remove our lord from the tabernacle um until uh we see him again which is on good friday which we'll talk about in a minute whether that really makes sense um but what is the so we talked about this last time so what's the significance of our lord being in the altar of repose what is that supposed to symbolize The Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. And then the tabernacle door is closed. He's taken out of the garden. What is that supposed to signify? The arrest. The arrest. That's right. So then Jesus is taken to Caiaphas' house, who's the high priest. And he undergoes this trial that takes place in the middle of the night. And then he's put into a prison in Caiaphas' house. And the next morning, he's taken to see Pontius Pilate, who's the Roman procurator, the kind of... uh, the Roman governor of Judea. Uh, Pilate sends him to Herod. Herod sends him back to Pilate. And all of this stuff happens all before Jesus takes up his cross, walks on the way of the cross, and then is crucified. And traditionally, we say he was crucified at 12 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then he hangs on the cross for three hours, and so he dies at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. So he had a busy morning. Yeah. <laughs> he had a really busy morning. Um, it's actually kind of fascinating. Uh, Jerusalem is a really small place. It is a really small place. I mean, you can walk from Pilate's house to Herod's palace. There's some question of whether Herod was there, whether it was somewhere else. But 
you can walk from where Pilate's house is to Herod's palace in about seven minutes. If wow. you uh, if you really kind of know where you're going and you're walking fast. And in his time, they could have walked more directly than you can now. There's less so stuff. So it's not that far away. Even the way of the cross, you if you're just walking and you're not carrying a cross or falling down or things like that that Jesus did, you can walk the way of the cross in about six minutes. So it's not a very long distance. Wow. Um, now, of course, with all the other things going on in the crowds and, and yeah. all that, it would have taken much longer. But so Jesus... On Golgotha at 12 p.m., hangs on the cross for three hours. At 3 p.m., he dies. Are we all in agreement with that? Yes. Okay. So, what is it we're commemorating then at Good Friday? Ooh. Um. All of that? Correct. Uh, yeah. That's correct. <laughs> Bingo. That's a trick question. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. Yes, we commemorate all of it. So how does the Good Friday liturgy start? Well, first of all, before we start that, like you guys have both been to Good Friday before, correct? Mm-hmm. What is your impression of that um, versus <laughs> other masses or this, that, and the other? I always thought Good Friday was a little creepy in that the veneration of the cross, um, kissing the foot of the cross, like was always a little weird to me. Okay, why? Just from the germ aspect or? Mostly the germs, but also just... I don't know. It always seems so rushed. And if something is true veneration, that I felt like it should be done on your own time. Mm. And so standing in a line really bothered me. Mm. That's a, Wow. I never thought about it that way. That definitely okay. happens, though. Um, the <laughs> I'm going to go a different route. The first thing I think of when you mentioned the liturgy of, of Good Friday is <laughs> often poorly executed um, sung renditions of Our Lord's Passion in the Gospel. <laughs> really? You've, yeah. heard, you've heard it sung? Yeah. And usually it's not... At least the ones that I've heard have not been... Uh, I mean... I, I'm probably being too rough on the people who put in a lot of effort to do it, but it, I, I don't think it was the best way to do it. But I've heard it the whole thing sung from start to finish. The whole well, time. now I have to ask you like the 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 really uncomfortable question. Have you been at St. Bridget for a Good Friday <laughs> in the last two years? No. Thank goodness. No, th- this was not that's even... that's when I was singing it, the Passion. This, this, was, this was not even in the state of Georgia. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So there's basically, there's three main elements to the Good Friday liturgy. There is the Passion, so Liturgy of the Word, um, there is the uh, intercessions, and then there's the veneration of the cross and Holy Communion. So that's really four, but I think the intercessions probably go with Liturgy of the Word, right? So, are, yeah, are the intercessions particularly special for Good Friday? I don't they know. are very are. special for Good Friday. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about those. So, okay. so Good Friday is the day that we get, do you know which gospel we read? Oh, good question. I would guess John, but... It is John. It's John. always John. Okay. So on Palm Sunday, you know, Palm Sunday is the Sunday you go to Mass and you have to stand for 20 minutes as the Gospels read, right? Um, that rotates each year between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I see. But Good Friday is always the Gospel of John. Huh. Always the Gospel of John. And so the Gospel of John is read in some places, like in the parish that I've been in um, previous to being at Georgia Tech, we actually sang the Gospel um, with choir parts. Uh, mm. Singing the the part of the people, the um, one the one that I went to, and I think this is part of the reason why it was not as good as it could have been, was that it was just two women 
doing the whole thing like as I think they did different parts but it was like it became monotonous because there was no change it was just these two ladies singing the whole time uh Anyways. Well, we'll do it with three parts. We're going to do it at Georgia Tech. We're going to sing it this year. Um, we'll do it with three parts. I'm sure that will be so. much better. going to make a pilgrimage down here. <laughs> <laughs> Although we don't have the choir parts this year because it's, it's too much. I got the poor choir is already having to learn so much stuff yes. um, for stuff that I brought in that, that we couldn't possibly <laughs> do that. Uh, so, all right. So you start this whole thing. The altar is completely stripped. There's nothing there except for the bare altar. No candles, no anything. What time of day are we talking? Is well, this... the church prescribes that Good Friday be celebrated at 3 p.m. Okay. Well, However, for pastoral reasons, you can move it to the evening. Because the problem is, Good Friday is a work day, at least right. in the United States. Maybe There may be some countries where you right. get the day off or something. But, but in America. The United States is a work yeah. day. And to come to a liturgy that's going to last at least two hours during the work, I mean, you can't do it, right? So uh, I think most churches do it around 7 um, so can I back up a little bit and yeah. ask where the seven last words comes into play with all of those? So the seven last words, so that would typically be something that is read while Jesus is on the cross, right? So from 12 to 3, okay, somewhere in there to the seven last words. There's this uh, tradition of, it's called the tre ore, three hours, right? The three hours service, which includes, um, includes the seven last words and finishes with the stations of the cross. And uh, and then usually a- a- after three o'clock or so, the church closes up or doesn't close up, but it clears out until the evening when you right. get to the, the big mm-hmm. liturgy in the evening. But the official liturgy for the church for Good Friday is this thing that we do um, that we're talking about now. Um, <clears throat> so the priest, it's really powerful because this is the priests and the deacons walk in and there's no genuflection. Oh, no, there is a genuflection. There's genuflection. There's no talking. There's no anything. They just prostrate right on the floor, like face down for a good long while. Mm. Uh, and all the people are kneeling and we're just praying. It's like before this mystery of Jesus Christ crucified, we don't really have anything to say. You know, it's just, it's something that we ponder. It's something that we see. Um, and then we go into the liturgy of the word and the reading of the passion, which is, you know, the Passion with Pilate, that's the one where there's this whole dialogue about truth and about who Jesus Christ is and all these things. And then after that, we get to uh, homily and then the intercessions. So you were asking about the intercessions, right? Yes, I so, vaguely... I, but when I think intercessions in, in the Triduum, I think of, uh, like, the Vigil, I think. Maybe I'm just mixing you it up. You don't think about the Vigil, you think about Good Friday. You think about okay. Good Friday. Yeah, you're just mixing it up. Okay. Yeah, so on Good Friday, there are, I think it's 10, 10 official intercessions. You can't leave any of them out. It's not optional. You have to pray for the following 10 things. Can, I, get, can I guess some of them? Uh, yes. Is, what, is the first one the Pope? It is not, but uh, that is the second one. Okay. I'm going to so, go with the world? The, nope. The church? Oh. The church. Ah. You pray for the church first, <laughs> and then the Pope, and then what? Then the world? No. <laughs> then... Uh, all the people. So the bishops, okay. priests, deacons, lay people. Right? So all of the orders and degrees of the faithful. Right? right? And then we pray for the catechumens. Those are people who are going to be baptized in the Easter Vigil. And then we pray for the unity of all Christians. Yes. And then the Jews, right? And then we pray for the Jewish people. We'll wow. come back to that in a second. That is... And then the non-believers. 
then the non-believers I, in Christ. Uh, right? So these are people who believe in God but don't believe in Christ. Okay. Right? And then we pray for all the people who don't believe in God. And then we pray for everybody in public office, although those two could probably be... <laughs> be interchanged. <laughs> they could be combined into one. And then for all those in tribulation. Right? So... All of these prayers, and they're you know they're fairly strong. Like, so I remember a few years ago when the extraordinary form of the mass. So that's the uh, the the old Latin rite of the mass was was um, uh, opened up to any priest to celebrate um, without having to have special permission. When that was opened up, there was this kind of discussion about this intercession with respect to the Jewish people because in the old rite. Um, it was a little aggressive. The wording was a little yeah, aggressive. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. And uh, that's actually been changed. But here, here's what we say now. What we say is, Almighty, ever-living God, who bestowed your promises on Abraham and his descendants, graciously hear the prayers of your church, that the people you first made your own may attain the fullness of redemption. And then we all kneel down and pray for a while. What do you think of that? Uh, It's... it's I think it's probably on the other end of the spectrum from whatever the old one was, I would guess. Oh, the old one said something about the perfidious Jews, right? <laughs> perfidious uh, is like uh, stubborn slash hateful is yeah. what that means. Okay. Right? That, yeah. So I think I'm, I'm kind of glad we probably backed away from that word. Sure. Although I like the word perfidious, <laughs> I'm not sure that I would apply it to Jewish folks. Uh, okay. Right? That's fair. Yeah. Um. That, well, that also kind of we have to ask the question of like, who are we really calling perfidious? Like the people. Well, we're not calling perfi- any nobody perfidious. <laughs> okay. We're not calling anybody perfidious. I want to be very clear about okay. that. We're not calling anybody perfidious. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to leave that question alone. Um, the 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 people who he first called his own well it's kind of i don't know i personally think that it's a little bit if 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 we think about it for a little while it, it it's a little bit weird because we have to think about the church as kind of a continuation right can Contec- correct me if i'm wrong of judaism into the church right the fulfillment uh, probably the i don't know if we'd say continuation but we'd certainly say the fulfillment okay right so I, I don't I don't know I just think like that perspective makes makes it a little uh, I don't think it says anything bad about the prayer, but it's an important thing to kind of think about when we're thinking about why we're praying for Jewish people in particular as opposed to others, um, not because they crucified Christ like because we all are responsible right in a certain sense. I, I that is absolutely correct. There's no question that, like, we do not currently, we would never say today that the Jews are responsible, like, especially like the present Jews, that the present Jews are responsible for the crucifixion of Christ, right? First of all, even at the time, I would say you have co-responsibility between the Jewish people who are basically lying to Pontius Pilate, and then Pontius Pilate, who knew the truth and decided not to do anything about it. coward. Right? So you've got the Romans and the Jews involved. Okay, so first of all, from the very beginning, it's a universal kind of thing. Right? It's the Romans and the Jews, and that's everybody who was present. Right? Um, 
so so firstly you have that and secondly though you do have these kind of problems in the Acts of the Apostles where Peter does say to the Jews he says our Lord whom you crucified right and so over the centuries at different times that has been that accusation has been leveled against Jews of all time rather than this historical group of Jews I mean there's a group of people who identified themselves as Jewish, the high priests and whatnot, who were responsible. There's no question. Like there is this, these are the responsible parties. But at the same time, there's all kinds of people that could have intervened, right? It's like we all share, even today, yeah. we all share mm-hmm. in that, in the silence at the very least. Um, and then there's the spiritual level, right, where Christ died, like he willingly underwent the passion and his death for all people so in a sense like him taking on the sins of the whole world makes us all theoretically responsible or like responsible in a different way than I don't know yep. and even, even the sacrifice he offered he offered it in a very special way for the Jewish people very special way um, but what we definitely wouldn't say is that modern Jews are somehow responsible for that right I mean I I don't know I, I know some Jewish people not a whole lot um but uh, my guess is they're not taught anything about Christ except that Christians believe in him and that he was a rabbi. And I think they probably get taught that he was killed by the Romans. Uh, well, they might not even call him Christ, right? They would call him Jesus of Nazareth or something, right? Oh, yeah. Well, they, if they call him Christ, because they're, 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 they run into a problem. Right? If, you're, if you're the anointed one, <laughs> exactly. if you're Christ, then... Because if, if they're learning about Christ, they're learning about this person that they're still waiting for, I would guess, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Messiah, right? Um, so today, I mean, there's certainly no responsibility there. It's just another person who is a historical figure, right, um, for them. But at any rate, so we pray for the Jewish people. But ultimately what we are praying for is that they enjoy the fullness of redemption, which will ultimately entail accepting Christ. Not necessarily in this life. I mean, St. Paul does give a strange exception to the Jewish people. He does say, and then when all when the fullness of time comes... Even then, the Jews will accept Christ. Yeah, that's a, so it's that's not something that's like part we don't have to worry about uh, <laughs> kind of running down the Jews, converting <laughs> them. Although I do think, at least at some places and parts of the history of the church, that has been that has been something that that uh, Christians have done, yeah. um, even up to the leadership of the church. That's not one of those things that we're proud of, but it is what it is. Not every institution has no institution has a perfect record, right? Um, okay, so then after these intercessions. Then we have the showing of the cross, right? So that's when the cross is kind of carried in from the back of the church, covered up, and one arm is uncovered. And then they say this antiphon, Behold the wood of the cross on which hung the salvation of the world. On which hung the salvation of the world. I think it used to say, before we retranslated the missile, I think it used to say on which hung the savior of the world. Which kind of makes a distinction between the savior being Jesus Christ and the act of salvation. Because what we're identifying on Good Friday is very clearly the act of salvation is his death on the cross. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like multiplying the loaves and the fishes did not create salvation, <laughs> right? Um, it's a great it's a great miracle, but it, that was not salvation. The institution of the Eucharist was not salvation. Salvation was his death on a cross. Um, and then everybody comes forward and kisses the and foot of the cross. Kisses the <laughs> kisses the cross. Um, it used to be uh, in churches you'd see like a lot of different crosses 
Um, there would huh. be like different lines. And I remember a few years ago, the Vatican said, no, you, if you're going to do it, you can only have one. Mm. Which has made the Good Friday service last dramatically longer <laughs> yes. than it used to. But it's a powerful moment, yes. right, to stand up there, especially as a priest, mm. and watch people come forward. And some people genuflect and then stand, or some people will kneel. and People do all kinds of different things. Um, and then a priest stands there with his shoes off, right? Because we go to the priest when he goes to to kiss the cross, he takes his shoes off. I did not know I that. I did not know that either. That's the thing about holy holy ground, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you don't even notice because, I mean, even if you were at the one at St. Bridget, you can't see because I got my alb on. I mean, you can't tell right. that the shoes are off. And I don't wear um, crazy colored socks. Maybe I should. <laughs> that way everybody knows. Some hot paint. <laughs> And then is that's before the well I don't know if you'd even call it a liturgy of the Eucharist. Right? It's not a liturgy of the Eucharist. It's a right. communion service. Communion service. And now so. this is the part that I really we, we got a few minutes. I want to talk about this. Yeah, I'm just going to ask. I think question. personally, the communion service is totally out of place. I was just going to ask that. It doesn't make any sense. I, I agree. I think it's like okay, Jesus has died. We've now venerated the cross. Let's now do the same thing that we do in every mass and receive him it's like you know and that was added that was added only it, it wasn't added all that long ago it used to be that good friday did not have communion that was the one day of the year that you didn't receive it so everything else kind of follows the timeline from scripture this just is like here you yeah. go then all of a yeah. sudden you throw communion into the middle of it yeah i think it, I have a I have a similar uh, like mental issue. It's like psychological weirdness about it, but uh, I do still appreciate though that it is the only day of the year where no mass is celebrated. I think that I think a lot of people don't know that, and part of the reason people don't know or don't realize that is because we still, we have, still communion. have communion. Service. If you go to if you go to the Good Friday service, you still have communion, so it doesn't look, seem any different. Um, because I don't know. I feel like may, I, maybe I'm wrong. But I guess that most people wouldn't really um, have a serious, stark difference between whether there's consecration of the host or not. Well, especially right. by the time you get to it, because it's, it's you've already been, been there for, there for so, so long. long. You've now. been kneeling, and you're just people tired. People are confused. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just I feel like it's kind of confusing. I think, and you know, it's interesting. We're talking about this, Cardinal Ratzinger, right? Joseph Ratzinger, before he became Pope Benedict, and I think it was in the Spirit of the Liturgy, he talks about how Good Friday and the addition of the communion service. He thinks it's out of place. Huh? That he he actually talks about the benefit of fasting from the Eucharist on wow, occasion. That's cool. Um, that it restokes our desire to receive our Lord, um, and for the church to build a day in where we have to fast from the Eucharist, um, he says is a good thing. And yet, as Pope, he didn't change it. Is it required? So he could have. If he the... really thought it was that big a deal, he could have changed it. From your perspective, is it required? Does it say like? You oh must... yeah, yeah. This is it's not optional. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Not optional. That is interesting. Um, There's also some of the best music of the year. Happens Good, on Good Friday. Friday. Yeah, the, the greatest the greatest hymn ever composed for the church, the Crux Fidelis, is sung. <laughs> according um, to Father Josh Allen. <laughs> according to Father Josh Allen and a whole lot of other people. Okay. I, 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 I tell you what, I will take any hymn you've got. You put it up against the lyrics of the Crux Fidelis. There is there is nothing that compares. I don't have a strong opinion on the matter, so I'll take your word for it. And it's interesting, like in the liturgy, it's the only prescribed hymn of the whole year. Oh wow, that's cool. Hmm. I like that. Only prescribed. How hymn long of the whole has year. it been that way? I don't know the answer to that. But I know in the old rite books and everything, it's in there. Mm -hmm. So I've never actually done the Triduum in the old rite. So 
Interesting. Cool. But um, at any rate, so then Holy Communion, and then everybody leaves. They strip <laughs> the altars, and the cross they, stays out. And then uh, the next day, of course, is Holy Saturday. And there's we'll no about. dismissal, right? Everybody. Yeah, just, there's not even a dismissal. Yeah, you everybody just, just leaves. Leave. Yeah. The priest wow. gives a closing prayer, and then he departs. Wow. There's no blessing. I mean, the last blessing you get before Holy Thursday, before uh, excuse me, before um, Holy Saturday, is on uh, Wednesday before Holy Thursday. You don't get a blessing on Holy Thursday either, mm, right? Because yeah. there's the procession. So if you go to the Chrism Mass, um, that if the Chrism Mass is held on Thursday, and you go to it, you'll get a blessing there. But then, no blessings until the end of the Triduum. And the reason for that is the Church considers the Triduum to be one continuous liturgy. Right? So you don't start it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit either. Right? You start at Holy Thursday Mass in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the blessing comes at the end of Holy Saturday. Wow. So Holy Even, Saturday... Like, so Holy Saturday doesn't start in the name of the Father, Holy, so, Son, like the, Holy Spirit. So the day Mass or the Vigil Mass? The, vi- the Easter Vigil. Okay. So yeah. on Saturday night. So the Saturday night when all the people come into the church. Yeah, and yeah. then there's the blessing at the end. So does that Mass start in the name of the Father? Mm-mm. Oh. Starts outside with the fire. Oh yeah, right. The Easter fire. We'll talk about that on another podcast. But the Easter fire and the candle and all that. <laughs> so thank you uh, for listening. Um, this is the Hell of a Catholic podcast. And if you have any questions or comments or any topics you would like for us to consider discussing, please email it. Uh, email us at podcast at gtcatholic dot org. And hope you have a blessed week. God bless. Mm-hmm.